Hello, hello. All right, believe it or not, I'm recording this episode baby free. It's so exciting. <laughs> um, I'm staying at my parents at the moment while uh, Dylan is overseas for a few weeks, and my little brother is kindly looking after Fern, so that's really nice. Um, today's podcast is just going to kind of be a short and sweet one. I've kind of done a lot. I feel like the last few episodes have been really big, full episodes, like full of really good and helpful content um, and lots of research and everything but I kind of just felt like busting out a um, a more slightly more uh, off the cuff one and just um, just a few little tips and tricks so it's basically going to be things that I wish either that I wish I had known before Fern came along or that I wish I had kind of gotten organized and bought before she came along. So I'm just going to start off with some things for the mamas, things that you need for uh, yourself if you are a mum and you're listening. So the first thing is breastfeeding bras and singlets. Now, these I found really useful. Now, you don't have to wear these to breastfeed. Um, yeah, you 100% do not need these, but yeah, just saying that uh, from my experience, I did find that they were a really good tool to have. So obviously the benefit with them is that they open up at the top. There's a little, I don't know, what do you call it? A little clasp. And then you can just pull that one side of your bra down that you're feeding from at the time. And you can also um, get singlets, which do the same thing, except obviously cover your uh, stomach as well. And why I found them good was you're feeding so much at the start with a newborn um, that to just have that easy access and to be able to pull it right down and have your whole boob out, you know, if you're, when you're still getting used to breastfeeding at the start, I found them really useful. So I just bought two of those. Um, and my personal advice is don't go out and buy the really pretty ones to start with. You know, the ones that look like a, an actual bra. What I got were more like uh, more of a sports bra type shape, just really comfy. Um, and the, yeah, you're just <laughs> those first few weeks and a couple of months after giving birth, you don't need it. You don't need to, you're not going to be worried about looking sexy. You're just going to be worried about wearing something comfy and functional. Um, but I'm definitely at the stage now where I was like wearing a normal bra the other day and Tom was like, oh, that looks really nice. Much nicer than those, those ugly breastfeeding ones you wear. And I was like, oh, okay, probably time to go, <laughs> go buy a nice one now. Um, what else was I going to say about those? Oh yes, yeah, so you just want it nice and comfy and sizing of a breastfeeding bra I remember being a little bit confused about this and googling it um you know obviously prior to giving birth because I wanted you know you want to stock up on this stuff and have it sorted because again once baby's here you're not going to be wanting to uh, just nip out to the shops and it's not quite so easy to do so um anymore so in terms of sizing what I found on the internet was they basically said go up one cup size to what you are at the moment um, but I also found that say your breasts um, in the first couple of weeks they get a whole ton bigger but then eventually they do kind of regulate and come down a bit again so yeah it can be a little bit tricky but again that's why um, a slightly bigger comfier stretchy one is beneficial. Now the singlet um, I just got one of them and I actually found that really handy for putting underneath a top that wasn't a breastfeeding top 
Uh, and I'll be talking more about uh, breastfeeding clothing next. But um, so say you just had a normal t-shirt on and it didn't have a low enough neck to feed from, you know, obviously that means you need to pull it up from the bottom. And if you don't feel like showing off your stomach to the world, um, this is when that singlet comes in handy. So then you've still got that underneath, but you can uh, access the bra from the top again with one of those clips. So in terms of breastfeeding friendly clothing, you guys, I was so completely, totally clueless about this. Uh, It was just something that never, ever crossed my mind. I hadn't bought a lot of maternity clothes because I thought why would you buy specific maternity stuff? That's silly. And kind of just as I went, um, you know, as my pregnancy progressed, I would just head to the op shops um, and purchase, you know, just a couple more items of clothing, the next size up, whatever I was into um, at the time. Um, And yeah, I, I just never bought any maternity clothes. But now... I can fully understand the benefit of getting them because majority of the time they are also breastfeeding friendly. So once I'd had fun, I discovered that almost all of my clothes, like my tops and my dresses, I could not breastfeed in. And you know, this for me, this isn't something I'm just doing for a couple of weeks or a couple of months even. I'm fully committed to doing this for as long as Fern wants, which you know, could be a couple or a few years even. And this is you know, every day that she's feeding from me. So all of my clothes now need to be breastfeeding friendly. And you can definitely get like normal and um, bunny rabbit ears clothes that are suitable for breastfeeding. So some really cool things are like the singlets with the baggy underarm that have kind of been on trend the last couple of years. Those are amazing because all you need to do is just pull over the side um, and it's nice and low so you can just feed like that so I've got, had a few tops like that um, I you can also get v-neck t-shirts that are say a little bit too big that can uh, be pulled down to one side and anything obviously with buttons and dresses that have buttons or a zip and the top bodice part are all really great so yeah your your brain switches when you're shopping um to will I be able to breastfeed in this so yeah my advice is to stock up on these now while you're pregnant and again having like some slightly different size things is really helpful because I remember getting so frustrated in pregnancy when I just wouldn't have anything to wear because I would have gone up another size again with how big my uh, belly was and just not be able to fit any of my tops anymore. So it's kind of the same thing as you, you know, as with your postpartum body as you slowly regress and your stomach uh, shrinks back in that, again, you're going to be gradually and constantly changing size, which, yeah, can definitely be a, be a bit of a frustrating process, but one that you can help by saving the clothes that you wore as you went up during pregnancy to then wear <laughs> as you go down again on the other side. And, yeah, just having some good options of breastfeeding-friendly clothes. But, yeah, there's definitely some great websites and shops out there that sell specific things, um, specific clothing items for breastfeeding. But I just really love to buy uh, secondhand. But, oh, actually, that reminds me. There is on Facebook a group that sells secondhand breastfeeding and maternity clothing. Let me just double check what the name of this specific group is. It's called 
buy, sell, swap maternity and breastfeeding clothing only New Zealand. Oh, sorry, NZ, not New Zealand. I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. Are there a couple of things that um, as a mum you are going to need are menstrual pads. So once you have given birth, you have quite heavy bleeding for a couple of days and then light bleeding maybe for the rest of the week around about so. Um, and this is because, you know, the placenta that's been in your stomach has um, come away from your stomach lining and it's left like a giant gaping hole, like a big wound almost. Um, and yet everything just in your womb is getting flushed out. So that's why you have the bleeding. And uh, again, I love the zero waste option of using reusable menstrual pads. Um, it's really not as gross as it sounds. You're going to be changing baby nappies, so I promise it's no, it's no worse than that. Uh, and with these, I actually, I used disposables, I think for the first two days when it was a super heavy flow. Um, it was just, I think, yeah, it's, it's not often I would do that, but it was just really nice to not have to think about it. Just put it straight in the rubbish bin. Um, but I also would have needed to purchase some reusable pads that were, bigger you know like jumbo size ones but even that I don't know if they would have been big enough so the ones that you get from the supermarket or wherever are oh, are they specifically called postpartum ones I'm not sure or yeah check with <laughs> maybe check with your um with your midwife on that one but yeah you can get these uh specific very very large absorbent pads which are great and um yeah, I just didn't want to fork out the money because reusable pads can seem a bit expensive at the time, but obviously in the long run, you're reusing them. They're going to be way more affordable, but I didn't want to fork that out just for using them for a couple of days. So that's the choice uh, I made. And then, yeah, from day maybe three or four, I started using my reusables and it was so easy to wash them because I was doing the cloth nappy wash. So I just chucked them in there um, as well. And that was easy. Uh, nursing pads. So these are little um, circle disc shapes of cloth that you can put inside your bra. And the reason for using these is um, when, you, when you're feeding and say when baby first starts feeding, you have something that's called a letdown and that's when your milk all rushes down into your breast and to your nipple for like a big stream of it uh, for baby to start drinking. And um, if... You don't, oh, you don't necessarily just have these when baby is, when your baby is latched on to your nipple. Sometimes, I think it's something like if you just hear your baby cry or if you think about them, there's a couple of things that any of those can trigger a letdown. It's really, really interesting when it happens. Um, and so it might be happening and you, um, yeah, your baby's not there to take the milk and so some of it leaks out. So it's really good if you can have these, which, yes, like I said, you just slip them inside your bra and then they absorb just that little bit of milk when it comes out so it doesn't go into your bra or doesn't go through into your clothing. So this is another reason, just to link it back to the breastfeeding bras, why I felt the need to um, to wear a bra is because otherwise you have these letdowns all the time and, you know, it would just leak out everywhere through your, whatever clothing you were wearing. Um so, I mean, if you're just chilling at home and you don't want to wear a bra, like, 
of course, heck yes, like it's so much nicer. And um, as always, you do whatever works for you. But personally, that's why I found it was easier to wear them. You can kind of just like, if you hold your hand on your boob and just put a bit of pressure there, it will stop the milk coming out. But I don't know, I was having them often and that would be, <laughs> yeah, it would just take take a bit of um, a bit of effort is all. These, um, what kind of frustrates me with all these things is that you end up spending, you know, a fair bit of money on these items and I remember thinking that it would be so cool if this was the sort of stuff you got given at your baby shower instead of just like all of these toys and everything for your baby, like, um, so yeah, if you're ever giving a gift, try keep it in mind. I know it's kind of, it's a bit hard. Um, you might feel like you'll be judged or, uh, yeah, I know it's like not the easiest thing to do, but I know that the mum would fully appreciate it, especially if they're on a bit of a zero waste or reusable, uh, journey with, um, the reusable stuff. Oh, sorry. So the nursing pads, you can, yeah, very easily get reusable ones and they're, they're really affordable. Um, Yeah. I just, I wish we would gift these um, instead. Because you can spend a lot of money purchasing all this stuff new. Um, Then the last thing for mums I had on here was stock up on meals in your freezer. Now I remember being told this, I think I read it in the birth book. I'm sure my midwife mentioned it. But... I didn't actually do it and I so wish I had um, because uh, as um, what am I trying to say we lived quite far away uh, in this place where we were living when I gave birth to Fern and um, I was really it was I don't know it was classic expectation versus reality thing I was really hoping that lots of people would bring us meals out bring us food I thought that was just like the known thing that you did but um it yeah it didn't it didn't work out that way a couple of really amazing friends did um brought like a brought a couple of dinners or brought some groceries to um yeah to help contribute and that was just like so incredibly helpful and I'm so grateful to them and their thoughtfulness and taking that time out um but yeah I know I know it's hard to put that effort in sometimes but trust me that uh, the family will so appreciate it. Um, but even if you do have amazing support like that, you know, it will eventually stop and slow down. But as well as needing dinners, you're also going to need lunches. Or I found myself needing like two main meals in the middle of the day. Honestly, breastfeeding makes you so, so hungry. Um, yeah, so just the more food you can have already prepared, that's easy to just get out and heat up and eat, the better. Okay, next a few things about nighttime. These I really these took me like quite a while to figure out, so I'm really happy to pass on these little tips. Um, quite a few of them revolve around bed sharing if you're sleeping with your baby in your bed. Um, so if you're not planning on doing that, then you can just skip by these ones. But you guys, I recommend bed sharing so 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 much. I had a lovely friend messaged me um and she said that oh I don't want to put words in her mouth I can't remember the exact words I think she said they were really keen on considering the idea of bed sharing after listening to my co-sleeping podcast and I was so stoked I was literally like 
it made my heart swell at the thought of another of like (laughs) it's gonna sound a little silly but like saving a baby from being all isolated and alone in a cot to just being right next to their mum and dad and just so safe and happy and feeling that love so um you know who you are thanks so much for your lovely message okay so the first one now I had my I had fern in winter so this may or may not may or may not apply but as to wear a long-sleeved top to bed so when you're bed sharing in the first couple of months with a newborn you've got to be really careful about having not having the covers go covering their face so what I ended up doing was um, generally keeping them around my waist tight so maybe they just be on like just covering ferns legs but so that means that the top half of my body which was exposed got so cold and I remember so often waking up in the night with just my shoulders and my arms feeling really cold so I would I started wearing a long sleeve top um, and it's important to wear a fitted one because if it's baggy you'd worry about it uh, maybe covering your baby's face as well so just make sure it's fitted and then I um, you can and that way you can also uh, keep it um this is hard to explain. <laughs> Keep it sitting up above your breasts so when you're feeding in the night they're still accessible. But um, you can, yeah, so if you just have it pulled up and then if it's tight again it will it will stay in place there or pull it back down whenever you're done, whatever works best for you. Uh, the other thing to do with that, and I never tried this, I actually just read this recently, but I was like, man, that's such a good idea, is, okay, so say fern would be in the middle of the bed Um when I would be really careful and conscious about the duvet but Dylan on the other side just you know happily having his eight hours of uninterrupted sleep (laughs) um he would always pull the duvet right up and I'd be like babe it's covering Fern's face um but you know in the middle of the night he he'd just kind of be unaware of that and so a really cool thing you can do is still sleep in your double bed with your whole family but have two single duvets and or two single sheets or both or whatever so that then you know Dylan could be on his side have his fully pulled up and then Fern and I on the other half of the bed could have ours at the height we needed so there you go good tip um another one is I probably wouldn't use one of these in the first couple of months maybe for later on is getting one of those sleep sacks which is like a baby sleeping bag I've just started to notice in the night that if Fern's on the other side of me, so on the outside of the bed, that sometimes the covers just get fully pulled off her, the opposite problem now, Um, and that her legs are fully exposed because I don't put pants on her for nighttime um, because then it makes the nappy change harder because you have to take her pants off. You can get these like nighty things um, where... Yeah, it's like a big long nighty, but it goes all the way around and you can tie it up around their legs. Those work well, but honestly, I found that I could never be bothered like changing Fern's clothes before going to bed. Like, um, yeah, she'd just sleep in whatever she wore that day. And so that's why that never worked so well for us. But that is another good option. But a sleeping sack just goes on over the top of the clothes you're wearing. Um, and yeah would keep her her legs warm so we use one of those for a while she's grown out of it now but um, it's warm enough that she doesn't need it at the moment anyway but a tip for if you're getting one of those make sure it has a zip either 
you know, diagonally across the front or just down the bottom, again, so you can access the nappy change nice and easily in the night. Okay, again, for if you're uh, bed sharing, having putting your mattress on the ground, like taking up the base of your bed and just having the mattress straight on the ground is really, really nice and I think a lot safer. So, you know, if your baby, I can't, yeah, honestly, we've never even come close to this happening, but if your baby did roll off the bed, it's not so far uh, that it's going. And, um, yeah, no, don't worry, I'll talk about that one in a minute. Um, yeah, so pop your bed down on the ground if you feel like that is a good option. Um, mm, okay, with bed sharing, you know, during pregnancy, how the last couple of trimesters, or is it just the... Mm, just the last the last one or two, you're meant to sleep on your side because it's safer for baby. And I remember just waking up and just being so sore on that shoulder and that whole side and spending like a good decent amount of time in the morning stretching that out. Um, and you're like, you're so close to having your baby and then you're like, yes, dying to sleep on your back again. But then if you're bed sharing, you don't really have that option because your baby's feeding so much in the night. Um and you want to keep them safe by kind of making that little C-shaped cocoon around them, you you still sleep on your side. Um, and so I remember being like, damn it, I was so excited. But don't worry, it, it happens eventually. I can usually sleep in whatever position I want now, and then I just have to rearrange myself when Finn um, wakes up and wants to feed. But so when you're feeding during the night, just to stop one side getting completely sore, I remember whenever I would wake up, um, that I would swap over, so say I'd like maybe feed Fern and then change her nappy, then when we were going to sleep again, I would just gently scoot her over, so say she was on the outside of the bed, I'd scoot her to the middle of the bed and then lie down and then feed her to sleep on my other side, and so that way, you know, I'd get a bit of a break, and each time we wake up, I would swap, and there was there was no exactness to it at all, just, you know, sometimes I'd forget, and it, it wouldn't matter, but just to not get too sore on one side. We um, ended up, I, I remember finding it a bit tricky waking up for feeds in the night and needing to see things or the nappy change, but not wanting to put a super bright light on because, you know, that would wake both of us up uh, way more, um, way more so than if we just had a nice dim light. So we eventually brought in um, the... Um, the Himalayan salt lamp from the lounge and this I just fully recommend it was worked so well that I just had next to my bed you know you can just gently turn on this beautiful soft light see what you need to see you can even keep it on all night just on really low um, if, if that's helpful and oh I remember because you know it was tricky getting Fern to latch on at the start so I would actually turn it on and need to see um, and help get her started feeding and then we could go back to sleep so that one was a lifesaver um a couple of these you will have heard before in other podcasts but just to reiterate it and have it all in the same episode uh having a mattress protector on your bed if you are bed sharing is an absolute must and i also used a towel in the bed at the start as well just when you're like you're bleeding and um yeah baby's 
um, got maybe still got meconium nappies and then you've got breast milk. So just if you know there's going to be a lot of mess right at the start, just chuck a towel in there as well. If that's easier, it gives you peace of mind. If you're not fussed, that's totally cool as well. Um, yeah, and then the last one for nighttime, which I highly, highly recommend again, is having some snacks beside your bed for when you're awake in the middle of the night feeding. Because again, you get hungry. So, I mean, I'm not talking like a big meal. I'm just talking about some little things. Um, I remember I would have nuts were a really good one, just some almonds or cashews or whatever. And I think I would sometimes have like a lactation cookie as well because they were so delicious, the ones my mum made. Um, dried fruit is good. And of course, water by your bed. Same with increased appetite. You need to drink a lot more when you are breastfeeding and you'll find whenever you feed you just get really thirsty and like a super dry throat cool hopefully this is all been helpful so far um next is just a couple of things to know that are helpful to know the first one is that babies have really irregular breathing and I remember this freaking me out and I wish I had known that it was okay um and and normal so often fern and I think it's at night time that I notice it the most and would like sometimes just worry a tiny bit about it sometimes and I think she even still does it is she would take you know most uh, a fair bit of the time her breathing would be quite steady and then she'd take these really sudden quick breaths and then there'd be a big long pause and just nothing for like a good few seconds and then she would like resume her normal breathing um and you know in that in that pause of no breathing you're kind of like holding your breath as well like waiting but it did always come back don't worry um and I remember reading something about a nurse trying to monitor baby's breathings in a neonatal unit and she was just saying she couldn't because baby's breathing um the way they breathe is so irregular so yeah don't obviously be aware and mindful of it but you don't need to stress too much about it um how important it is with the initial latching on and feeding again I touched on this in my breastfeeding podcast but really take the time and just be in the most relaxed chilled out environment and space you can so anyone you don't want to be there that you think is going to cause stress just setting them out of the room and just have that time with you and your baby um and yeah take as much time as you need for them to latch on and uh get that first feed started and have you know as get as much help uh as you feel comfortable with because you know that if you set yourself up well right from then that can make a big difference skin on skin this is another big one that I'm super passionate about it has so many benefits for you and for your baby um off the top of my head I know that for you for the mum it helps with milk regulation it produces beautiful oxytocin um the feel-good hormone for baby it helps to regulate their temperature so you know with a newborn you need to be conscious of keeping them at a good temperature so what better way than just having their chest directly on your chest and you actually heat up or cool down depending on what your baby needs it's blooming amazing um also for your baby it helps to regulate their heartbeat their oh no sorry maybe not their heartbeat it helps to regulate their breathing I'm pretty sure um and oh of course like obviously helps with bonding you too 
So for my next baby, I would for sure do this differently. I would spend way more time doing skin on skin. I think we put clothes on Fern like almost straight away, you know, like maybe an hour or two after having her. But I had some friends who kept their baby just in a nappy only for like at least the first week of his life. And I was like, damn, that's so cool. I wish we'd done that. And, you know, if you... Um, you you can have a blanket over the top of your baby so you know you can still put extra layers on that way if it is winter if it is a little chillier but um, yeah just having you guys chest to chest skin on skin do that for as long as you can and as much as you can like a few weeks in so you like do it at the start and then a few weeks in you're like cool I've done that I don't need to do that anymore but honestly it's beneficial I feel like forever so um, even if you just try to a little bit each day or, you know, every time you just give them a little wash or a bath or a shower, just before putting all their clothes back on, just maybe even do a feed skin on skin. Um, so beneficial. Oh, and if your baby's sick, ever sick, do skin on skin as much as you can. It helps them get better. Visitors. This is, um, a really interesting topic. So I just, I'd written down that just be aware of how visitors can impact you and honestly keep them to a minimum. Again, advice I had read but did not take myself. Um, I think I was just so surprised at how good I felt after giving birth. I expected that it was me who would need the time to chill. But um, in fact, why I would in hindsight have wish I had had less visitors was it just means you you're not... Um, it doesn't give you the space to be completely comfortable and completely focus your attention on your baby. So, you know, for example, with the skin to skin one, you're naked most of the time. If you've got visitors, you're going to be inclined to put clothes on you and on your baby. And so like straight up, that's a really good reason to not have anyone for the first couple of weeks. Obviously, very close family, um, an exception if, if you feel called to that. But again, they don't have to as well. But it's really hard if if it's your first baby and if it's the first grandchild in the family like it was us, felt just like we couldn't deny um, our parents that. Um, that joy of getting to see Fern uh, the day after she was born. But yeah, we just, I think sometimes we had a few days of just like three lots of visitors in a day and it was ridiculous. Like there was no time for me to have naps, um, which I really could have done with. And I, you know, I just wouldn't feel, you just don't pay the same attention to your baby and I wouldn't give her you know, the same quality of a feed that I would have if it was just us there. Um, because, you know, I don't want to sit there with my breast hanging out, especially at the start, you're just getting used to it all. And yeah, if there's people there, you kind of just do a quick feed and then, you know, pass her over for a hold because everyone feels like they need to hold her. You don't need to pass your baby to anyone. Um, yeah, again, if I um, did it again, I would just keep uh, my baby on me you know, they can see from a distance and yeah, there's no need to pass your baby around unless you want to, of course, that's fine. But don't feel like you have to. Um, I feel like there was one more thing I was going to say. Oh, but obviously visitors do have their benefit. Like it's really nice to, you know, have a fresh face in there, especially if they're bringing food or actually actually offering their help. We had like some friends that were kind of like, 
offer their help but then if you actually ask them to do something and the stuff for me that was helpful was generally cleaning or like doing the washing and you know stuff like cleaning the bathroom or vacuuming the house it's not glamorous stuff um and I remember we actually I would like never feel comfortable to actually say that this is what we need help with because I'm like I don't no one's going to want to clean my house for me you know they've come for a nice visit to be looked after and entertained and and see a new baby but um yeah I remember Dylan was like real good once and actually said like oh yeah you could vacuum the house if you want and then they kind of just like awkwardly I can't remember what they said but they clearly like had said the offer without actually um meaning it so uh yeah they can for sure be really nice to have but just yeah don't do three lots in a day um and you know wait a good couple of weeks if you want you can send photos of your baby if people are dying to see them um yeah take that time for yourself but I will do a whole nother podcast on having like a baby moon and a fourth trimester um which is a whole nother topic in itself um and then lastly for something else that's good to know is just how much time you will spend breastfeeding at the start honestly it feels like it's your whole life and it's really hard to fit um it can seem really hard to fit anything else into your day and so again that's why just having that support and meals being prepared for you and everything is so so helpful all right the last section I have is on nappy changes you wouldn't believe it but I do have a whole section just on this um so I've used cloth nappies right from the start with fern and so my first point there one reason why I think they've been so successful for us well I guess just because Dylan and I are both just so committed to that journey of reducing our waste and using reusables whenever we can um that it was kind of never a question whether we would use them or not or you know it wasn't like oh we'll try this and see if it works it was just like yeah we're using them but I also put the effort into um, buy these cloth nappies and have them all sorted and organized before Fern arrived. So I bought all secondhand ones off Trade Me and that worked totally fine. Um, I will do also do a whole nother separate episode on cloth nappies, but just a couple of little hints. Um, when you're buying them secondhand, you just there's a few things you want to look for. Like if they've got Velcro, you want to check, you know, that the Velcro is still working because those get worn down. Um, and you also want to check that where it goes, the elastic around the leg, that that is tight. That that hasn't, you know, elastic over time it loses its uh, its hold. Um, so if that's gone all slack, then that's not keeping any wee or poo in. So you don't want that. But um, if you're like, if you're in doubt, I remember, yeah, it was just kind of hard to know sometimes because I wasn't experienced. If you're looking at, I'm honestly putting this out there. If you're looking at buying secondhand nappies on Trade Me and want some advice on whether you think they're a good buy or not, just fully hit me up, send me the link and just say, hey, do you think these are any good? Um, And I can offer my opinion now that I've had a bit of experience with them. Um, But as well as having them and having newborn sized ones, I fully fully recommend getting um because your baby's so tiny at the start but I also had worked out the washing routine and had that all sorted beforehand because it can be a little confusing and a little daunting at first but again I'll I'll go over that in more detail in the cloth nappies episode another handy thing to get 
that um, is helpful in terms of that is buying a peg hanger. You can get these cool stainless steel ones um, and they're just the best because instead of, you know, um, hanging each nappy individually up on the line and getting the pegs out and, and clipping them up, you know, the pegs are already hanging there. It's so easy and they're nice and they're all nice and lightweight enough that um, they're suitable weight to go on the peg hanger, just like how you'd peg up your socks or your undies or whatever. And the major benefit I found was that, um, you know, ideally you want to dry these out in the sunshine because the sunshine gets rid of any poo stains that are on them. It's magical. Um, But so if they're outside and it starts raining, you know, you quickly want to bring your washing in, especially if you're holding a baby and you're the only one home and your baby's sleeping. Like there's no way you're going to get up and get that, get all the washing off the line. But if all you have to do is walk outside and, you know, just carry in your one or two peg hangers uh, it makes it so much easier so I really recommend those at my mum and dad's um, here where I'm staying they've got two big ones and I just put my whole nappy uh, load out on them now and it works really well um oh this was something I kind of worked out again just like logistics of um to do with night time but when when Fern would wake up and need a big feed in the night, I remember sometimes that she, so often that's a good time to do a nappy change as well. But if I got up and changed her nappy first, she would be crying. And I think it was because she was really hungry as well. Um, so what I learned to do was to feed her on one side, like with one breast, then I would change her nappy. And then I would feed her on the other breast and then hopefully that one would get her back to sleep. Uh, So just like little things like that that you don't think about um, beforehand, I found it was a good little routine I got going. Um, And to always put a fresh, clean, dry nappy on if you think there's a chance that your baby might fall asleep. So for example, if you're about to put them in the wrap or if you're about to go on the car, or yeah, just if you think they, they're almost ready for a sleep, if you put that clean nappy on first, there's nothing worse than your baby falling asleep and you know that they were like just due for a nappy change, or they're like sitting in a pooey nappy, and you know that they're not going to last to sleep very long, that's so frustrating, so another good thing to think about. Um, doing Fern's nappy changes at night were actually a bit of a drama for quite a while and I think I shared the story already where I would actually get up out of bed, walk out of our bedroom, around through the kitchen and lounge to where we had the changing mat just on a table uh, and I would turn the light on, you know, the full bright light and Fern would just be awake and just crying the whole time and in hindsight now I'm just like what on earth was I thinking so don't do any of that Um, my advice would be to have the nappy changing stuff right beside your bed if you have that space in your room Um, and you can just get these cool little mat foam mats with the kind of like waterproof cover that you know you can sit on any surface so you could literally just chuck that on the floor next to your bed then all you have to do is scoot baby over to there you know have your Himalayan salt lamp on with a nice soft light the nappies and everything there maybe a little bowl of water to dip your uh, cloth wipe in Um, and a bucket for the dirty ones and just if you have it all there ready to go it will make that so much smoother but I also found 
that so because Fern would cry the whole time I would do the whole nappy change as quickly as possible and again it took me ages to figure this out but I now know that if you do the opposite if you do it really slowly and gently there's actually a good chance that your baby will stay asleep so now when I change Fern's nappy in the night I usually just have to do it once um now she kind of she does stir a little and she wriggles about a bit and makes a couple of little noises but her eyes stay closed and she you know she's still like half asleep and I can go through the whole get the whole nappy change done but only if I do it gently and slowly so I recommend that um and the last thing is just to invest in some night nappies which I still have not done. So again, not taking my own advice. Um, what I do is I just put an extra insert into the pocket nappies. So they've got two layers instead of one. And I find that that gets me halfway through the night and then we do a nappy change and then um, and then chuck another one on. But yeah, you can get really big absorbent night nappies. Um, even cloth ones, you can get, get night nappies. So yeah, it would anything that means less waking up in the night is worth it for sure okay I think that is it oh my last I just wanted to just say (laughs) cute last little thing um that yes those first few weeks are really full-on and challenging with a newborn baby but with the right attitude you can get through anything and I think that's one of the things that Dylan and I did really well (laughs) the other day someone was like uh, yeah, like, I, th- I think, oh, there, um, our, some of our friends are due to have a baby in a few weeks. And the guy was asking, like, oh, what was it like with newborn Dylan? I was like, oh, it was totally fine. It's, it's not even bad, is it, Rosalie? And I was kind of, like, gave him that look, like, are you kidding? Like, it was definitely really full on and definitely challenging moments. But we just never, like, tried to let that get us down, you know, just always focusing on the, um, on the good things and just, just not letting stuff stress you out too much. Um, and I think that's why having a partner is really helpful. Like Dylan is really good at dragging me out of like going down this deep hole of like worrying about something and just like bringing playfulness and lightness to the situation. So yeah, I promise it does get easier um, because the length of time that your baby is awake for, it gets longer and longer, obviously the older they get. And then they can just uh, chill out and entertain themselves for a little bit of time and then you get that space to do stuff for you as well. So don't worry, it will happen. Um, Yeah. If you guys are loving what you hear, I just wanted to add that um, please feel free to share my podcast with anyone you think might benefit from it. I just want this message to reach as many people as possible. Um, and the other thing you can do, I know it's kind of annoying, but you can leave a review on, is it iTunes? Yeah, on iTunes. Um, I think in the app, in the iTunes, uh, what am I saying? In the podcast app, just if you're on my podcast, I think if you just go right down to the bottom, the link is just there, you can write and review it. So the point of that is if you get, if you have a few good reviews and stuff, it means that if someone searches, you know, for like a natural parenting podcast, that it's more likely to pop up. So again, it's just helping it to reach more people. So if you feel inclined, uh, that would be amazing. But otherwise, yeah, 
been so good sharing these tips with you all and I will be back really soon with another episode. All right, see ya.